0: What's up everyone welcome to the 236th episode of the pokemon podcast it's super effective i am your host s b j those are my initials next to me i have travis with two weeks in a row without will on the show and
1: will's snarky comebacks i'm i'm developing something strange and if i were oh if i were a less wise person i would call that a sense of self-esteem <laughs>
0: I feel I feel like you you've you've breathed a little more, Travis. Yeah, yeah. Whew, I'm safe. I, I I
1: can say a thing incorrectly and I won't be made fun of.
0: Will is not with us. He has gone somewhere in Nevada, I believe. Uh, I was actually just talking to him this morning. I'm going to be visiting him at the end of October, and uh, yeah, he still exists. But I will be out of town this weekend. We are re- actually recording this on a Thursday night, a little early. Uh, I wanted to ensure that you guys got this on your Monday morning. So, if knowing Pokemon, there will probably be eight new Pokemon shown tomorrow because they love to show the entire Pokédex. Um, speaking of the entire Pokédex, Pokédex Master Micah is here. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to episode zero of Yokai Watchers. Watch your check. Wait. Watch. Watch your watches. Check. Check, check your, your watch. The Yokai Watch comes out tomorrow. That's check. news. Yeah. Flesh, fleshy bones and
2: still st- st- souls, stealing souls, something. I don't know what it
1: is. <laughs> Here's the thing I don't know at all. Is Yokai Watch popular with North American children? Because the, the, everyone was saying before when it was big in Japan that Yokai Watch was going to come and just devour our children and we should all be afraid and no one's gonna like pokemon anymore actually
0: why will isn't here he's been
2: devoured by yokai watch my opinion of it is that it was never going to have the same impact that pokemon has here simply because of the cultural disconnect it's a very japanese game i love it it's great but it's it's there it's not as uh like culturally ambiguous i guess as
0: pokemon is Mm -hmm. do you love it or do you just tolerate it
2: no i really like it i like the the characters a lot and becky is a big fan of it too she played all the way through the first game and i didn't even play all the way through the first
0: game so so that comes uh, out tomorrow right yeah, they did. This is this marks the start. I believe uh, like Fire, Fire Red and uh, Leaf Green is there is there two games. That's what they're called. correct. Yep, that's it.
2: This marks the start of their uh, their path down the Pokemon road where they split it into two games, and you needed to buy both versions <laughs> to
0: collect them all. Right, collect them all. Get
2: all the get all the weird ghosts. Get all the weird ghosts. There is There's a. a- there's one called Falien. It's an alien in a spaceship, and it walks around. It's legs stick
0: out of the bottom. That sounds and pretty apparently much apparently, it. it's a failure. I could, I could get on board with that. I know there was a Final Fantasy 14, which is the MMO version of Final Fantasy, and a Yokai Watch crossover, where you could get... uh, Well, in Final Fantasy, your, your mount, I think that's what they're called in World of Warcraft, is like a chocobo, and you can get different kinds of chocobos, but for some reason, they partnered with Yo-Kai Watch and you could ride in the ghost thing. I don't know what it's called. Ghosty. Whisper. Casper. A whisper. whisper. Yep, Casper. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You could you could ride in one of those. I don't know how that collaboration happened. I don't know either. It was very weird.
2: It's a strange collaboration and the the like hardcore players for Final Fantasy XIV seemed really uh, kind of spurned by it because it required you to do a lot of really apparently tedious things in the game and was not an enjoyable experience. (laughs) Excuse
1: me, our Final Fantasy players, don't they come to expect tedium? Because that's the only (laughs) thing that Final (laughs) Fantasy has. And don't get me wrong, I love a lot of those games, but that's what they are. Hey, remember uh, in Final Fantasy X when we had you, when we had that area where it was a a barren field where lightning would strike about every is <laughs> something like, uh, like 30 seconds and it would just flash for a minute and you would have less than a second to hit the a button to dodge it. And you had to do that 100 times in a row without having your, your character actually get hit by the lightning and then we'll give you the, uh, Lulu's ultimate weapon. Remember when we did that? Yeah. But this, this is crossing a line.
2: That's, that's a perfect metaphor for all of Final Fantasy in general. Press, press a button really, really, really fast, or you just can't progress. You can't progress.
0: Look, I just it. just wanted to fly in a
2: whisper. That's all I wanted to do. Man, the, the Final Fantasy fourteen subreddit was so upset during that event.
0: I, I I bring that up jokingly. I am a, a big fan of Final Fantasy XIV, uh, and I plan to play it a lot. It's it's like my Christmas game because I'll be I'll be out a lot of Destiny content by then. It's frustrating to see a cross between Final Fantasy XIV and Yo Kai Watch because you will never see a cross of anything Pokemon because they're so <laughs> protective of their franchise that it's a little disappointing. I understand. I understand why you would be protective of being. One of the best-selling games in the entire world, uh, game after game. I think the only franchise that has sold more than Pokemon is Mario, with all to- all together game sales. But at the same time, screw flying on a whisper in Final Fantasy Fourteen. I don't should want to open fly up on a like little. a Pidgeot or a Drifloom. or a, yeah, man, or uh, that's what I'm saying. Or roll I mean, on a they Snorlax. Did,
2: they did an Ingress crossover, and that worked out pretty well. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I mean yeah I
2: guess Pokemon Go.
1: Uh, I guess I, yeah. I, guess I Never thought of Pokemon Go as an ingress crossover. Yeah, that kind of is in,
0: in the same way that Pokemon Conquest is a. So this is gonna be the last episode. Mike is on for uh, throwing that in my face. <laughs> we got a show for you guys today. We have squad. <laughs> we have uh, a little bit of a little bit of Pokemon news. And then we're actually going to tackle some emails that have been building up. And then uh, Travis has our Pokemon of the week. No interviews this week. Nothing fancy. Uh, there are some more interviews in the, in the works. I know uh, a lot of you guys have provided me feedback on Twitter that you loved the Gaijin Hunter interview, uh, which was primarily Monster Hunter focused. But uh, really, really happy to do that interview. Adam is such a fantastic guy. Uh, and if you're a newer listener, we do have some older interviews with Maryland. With Joe from Saraby, with uh, Austin Creed from Up Up Down Down, also known as Xavier Woods, uh, your two time WWE Tag Team Champion. And uh, we had a great interview about meditation and mindfulness with Dan Reichert, one of the senior editors over at Giant Bomb. So I'm just saying all that because we've, we've gotten, a, we're still getting those new listeners coming on in. Uh, but with that being said, jump over to some news. And if you're
2: new and this is your first episode, I apologize. I'm not normally here.
0: (laughs) Uh, Hey, Micah,
1: this is coming from a podcasting professional to to someone who's uh, maybe a little newer uh, in the way we do things around here. When Steve says, let's go to the news, uh, you're supposed to close your mouth so Steve can edit in the (laughs) the news sound effect. Okay? oh,
2: man, it's like Will
0: is here. Uh (laughs) Travis has become Will. Uh, someone had to fill those shoes <laughs> Michael we're gonna get we'll give you a second chance just I appreciate it guys I'm <laughs> I'm hungry to to improve and make you guys happy we're, we're giving you a second chance because the Pokemon Company International is giving everyone a second chance at dog <laughs> cry
2: <laughs> nice
0: you what, are like you a that marketing
2: professional.
0: You, 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 you love that segue, didn't you? <laughs> Transitions. Okay. Second chance at Dark Cry, now available in the American region games. If you have uh, X Y Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, you can use the common serial code Dark twenty, and that code is available until October thirty first. Very spooky. Uh, if you've already attained Dark Cry from the twentieth anniversary distri- distribution. Uh, you cannot get it but it is identical to that same move same ability same level Uh, this was originally announced to be available through a trainer club email but since the code is not unique since it's just dark cry 20 you can go ahead and enter that and that will work there you go get your dark cry i don't know where you enter that serial code i'm i think in mystery gift i'm sure there's a way i've never entered a code to get a pokemon
2: you go to Mystery Gift and then you go to Via Wireless. Mm. I think it's just Get Code.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Or just Code or something. I don't Mis- remember. Mysterygift.com dot slash Get
2: Code. Yep. Yeah, that's it. That's... And you send it. You have to send a link to five friends
0: <laughs> before it expires. Uh, yep. <laughs> next bit of news, or your,
1: here... or your crush won't love you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> next bit of news here is a volcanion co-distribution announced for Norway, Sweden, Belgium, and the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, Volcanian codes were first available at the Nintendo booth at the First Look Festival, which happened... Oh, wait. These will be available at the First Look booth. At the First Look Festival at the Nintendo booth, which is going to happen between October 7th through October 9th. Uh, that takes place at Jarbirus. All uh, Netherlands. Uh, I've slaughtered all those words, so <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, I'm sure
2: you nailed it, as they will, always.
0: In Belgium, the... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excellente at English. Belgium codes for Vulcanian will be available through GameForce 2016. That will be held from October 1st through the 2nd uh, in Mechelen, Belgium. And they will also be available at Dreamland, Bronze, and Fun stores. On October tenth, until codes run out, uh, I don't know what that means, but I know what that means. But there, I've never heard of any of the stores, but they. You exist. said
2: so many things I've never heard of. In yeah, the last.
0: apparently they exist in Belgium. So if you're a if you're a Belgium listener, write in and let us know what the what Dreamland is, what Bronze Braz is. There's no N, so it's not bronze. We're still uh, talking about Final Fantasy, right? Yes, yes. And these are, yes, yes. Like, and, uh, these are locations and, and variations on the Cactuar. Yeah, right, <laughs> yes. Go ahead and enter the Dreamland server, and uh, you'll be... Okay, so if you're in Sweden, Volcanion codes will be available through October 1st through the no- November 23rd at GameStop. I think we all understand that. Sweden seems to be on the right page with codes. Get them at GameStop. Uh, also available at two other stores that I can't say, but if you're in Sweden, I'm sure you know what they are. And yeah, Volcanion has not come to US yet. It does say, though, on the official Pokemon site, Volcanion distribution in UK, Germany, France, Italy, and Spain. Uh, those are coming soon, and the Volcanion will know steam eruption, flamethrower, hydro pump, and explosion. It will also be holding an assault vest. So there you go. Hmm. Hmm. I who would have guessed Volcania would have the move Explosion, but I guess it does. It's it's I mean it's a is that like is that sarcasm because volcanoes <laughs> are known
1: for
2: oh wait behavior. All right. literally I exploding I see all right I wasn't I wasn't sure
1: if I if I was I was missing <laughs> all right, so this is gonna be uh, like,
0: Travis's last episode for throwing yeah. that in my face <laughs> Charizard and Ninetales break. Uh, Also, Mewtwo EX are shown for the XY Evolution TCG set. The 71st expansion of the Pokemon Trading Card Game will bring... Yep, let that sink in. The 71st expansion of the Pokemon Trading Card Game is planning on bringing the original series back um, as power-up retro cards alongside new Pokemon EX and Pokemon Break cards. The official release date for this set is November 2nd, with select retailers giving permissions permission to release it as early as October 30th. This set is to be based on the Japanese Expansion Pack 20th Anniversary, uh, with a few Japanese promotional cards included within. Uh, the set will include over 100 cards, 12 new Pokemon EXs, including 5 Mega Evolutions, 4 new Pokemon Break cards, and a reinvention of the very first pokemon trading cards hmm yeah i it shows the original charizard card here from what i remember the original charizard card had 120 hp and its move did 120 damage but maybe i'm wrong I, don't, I honestly don't remember i don't remember even though i've seen that card a million times this is this is your wheelhouse it does 100 Damage, in Fire the, Spin in the base set. Our yes, ri- OG Charizard, hundred damage. What, what what was its HP? One hundred and twenty. You ha- you nailed that on the head. Okay, hit wh- that nail on the what head. What was its uh, its ability is the same, but I'm sure what was its ability called? Its Pokemon power was Energy Burn, and its move is Fire Spin. Okay, so the new card Charizard is same art, unless they're changing it. But one hundred and fifty HP ability Energy Burn. I think back then it was called Pokey Power. Yes. Like Micah said. All energy attached to this Pokemon are fire energy instead of their usual type. Which I think is the same. Yes. And the move is fire spin, still the same. Four energy, two hundred damage. Discard three energy cards attached to this Pokemon. I think that is the same two minus the 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 damage. Cause Micah said it was a hundred, this time it's two hundred.
2: Yeah, and it was discard two energy cards attached to Charizard in order to use it. Oh,
0: this is oh okay, uh. so this is discard three, okay.
2: Uh. Um, energy burn 2 on the original Charizard was that before you attack, you can turn all the energy cards into fire energy for the rest of the turn. And then it, uh, it can't be used if Charizard is asleep, confused, or paralyzed. I don't know if that's changed.
0: I think abilities... Uh, I haven't played the TCG in so long. The ability still is in play unless otherwise stated. So in this case, on the new card, even if Charizard is asleep, All the energies still attached to them still would be fire energy, even if they were water Uh, energy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This fits more in line with the current format. Of, I watched uh, worlds and nationals, and it's the TCG format is still aimed at trying to do uh, two hits to kill a Pokemon. So ideally, you would want your move to be ninety to hundred damage, so you can ensure that you do at least 180 damage in two turns, because most Pokemon sit at that, I would say, 170 to 190 range. Charizard being 150 HP is a little bit below that, but its move, 200, should be able to wipe out most things in one hit. That being said, cards that require four energy are almost never played. It's just way too high. Realistically, you could attach two double colorless energies and get there in two turns for Charizard, uh, but. Uh Since you can only have four double colorless in your deck, those are pretty slim odds. Uh, I could be completely mistaken if there was a card in the game that would let you move fire energy around. That might help. I would assume any card that does that is probably another stage two, and you would almost never want to play two stage twos in a deck. You would want to play like the Charizard line because it is stage two, plus Uh, other Mega and or EX Pokemon because they're single stage and you can get them out and set up faster but again that's my TCG knowledge has been a little bit disconnected since I uh, stopped playing competitively speaking of competitive stuff the International Championships 2017 play Pokemon details were announced it's a lot of a lot of text here I'll try to summarize it but maybe i'll just go through here details have been announced the international championships are a new tournament that will replace the national championships from previous years unlike the unlike the pokemon tcg national championships of previous years the internationals are open to players from all anywhere around the world two have been announced so far the pokemon european championships and the north american championships the pokemon international will be some of the largest competitions in the in the 2017 championship schedule, and winners will earn high number of championship points towards qualification for the 2017 Worlds. The Pokemon the European International will take place at the XL London in United Kingdom from December 9th to the 11th, 2016. This three-day event will give video game players their first chance to battle and sanction events using Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, which launches in Europe on November 23rd and the rest of the world on November 18th. The TCG players will have their first chance to play the XY Evolutions expansion launching later this year. Hey, we just talked about that. In each rating zone, the top four players of TCG and video games in each age division who participated during the 2016 championship series will also receive travel awards to the European internationals. Invitations are based on their championship points at the end of the 2016 season. Travel awards do not pass. They pass down or stack. In each rating zone, the TCG players who ranked 5th through 16th and the Pokemon video game players who rank 5th through 8th in each division will also qualify for a travel stipend of $1,000. Participation for the European International is required to redeem a travel stipend. And this will also be live streamed on twitch.tv slash Pokemon with commentary. Starting this October, Pokemon Regional Championships begin with a full schedule of events coming to cities in North America and Europe. For the 2017 Championship Series, Regionals events will no longer be clustered into three seasonal periods spread over the calendar year. Like the International Championships, Regional Championships are open to TCG and video game players from anywhere in the world, and will feature larger prize pools and more championship points at the tournament. The prize pools for each regional championships can be as high as $50,000 depending on attendance. Each regional event, regardless of location, will use the same attendance-based thresholds for calculating the available prize pools. The actual amount and sizes of these prizes awarded at the event will depend on the number of participants The more people who come to compete, the more prizes available, so that the players who win the largest, most competitive events will earn the biggest prizes. The first North American Regional Championships will be held in Phoenix, Arizona on October 1st. Oh gosh, that's like two days. All right, Hmm. guess we'll have something to talk about next episode. Man,
2: that's a lot of money. That's That's almost as much money as you can win from playing
0: professional rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) Uh, a little bit more, real quick. Uh, I feel like there's a story there. There will be more local events for both the video game and trading card game. Premier Challenge and Mid Season Showdown events will return for video game players. Premier Challenge provides players with frequent opportunities to play at local events and try out new strategies at smaller events. While Mid Season Showdowns are who came up with that name is pretty decent. Uh, Mid Season Showdowns are larger events that give players opportunity to compete against a greater number of players for a greater number of championship points in their local area. Trading card games, players can participate in League Cup events held at local stores. Final bit of news on this is the Pokemon Video Game Championship Series events will use Ruby and Sapphire, the, not the original, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, until November 30th. Then on December 1st, the format will change to Pokemon Sun and Moon, and all video game players may only compete using those games for the remainder of the season. The full breakdown of the video game championship structure can be found here. Finally, uh, the Pokemon Trading Card Game Championship Series events will use the 2016-2017 to standard format Primal Clash and On Uh, And the extended format black and white on the full breakdown of that point system can be found here for the rest of the information, Pokemon.com. How funny
1: would it be if when sun and moon come out, we find out that wishy washy has incredibly good stats and move pool such that we hear competitive players complaining about the wishy washy meta for a full season that would be pretty fantastic. Or, or, or the Bruxish meta, the dang Getamaru meta, yeah, is ruining the
0: spirit of the game.
2: Much like the the famed Basculin meta. oh uh,
0: yes, yes. Everyone was all after that of yesteryear. That soak meta.
1: Um, didn't we, you, yeah, didn't you try to run? Uh, yeah, right? Wasn't it? Isn't your, your your team based around partly based around soak?
0: Uh, no, not really. It was mostly based around Maractus. Uh that's what it was. That's what Soak did come in, obviously, because once Maractus got set up, oh boy, he was a powerhouse. (laughs) I was I was talking with I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I was talking with Joe and Saraby on Twitter. Um Joe from Cerebi, sorry I said that fast. And we were both laughing because a lot of people are finally considering play Pokemon uh quote unquote esports. And I feel like it's always kind of been esports, right? It, you've always gone at least uh, in my eyes. I've went to competitions. I've been to way too many competitions than I I uh, have enjoyed. That makes sense. Yeah, I've been to a lot of competitions. I really didn't enjoy most of them for reasons I've expressed. You know the the how the judges are on and how the time limit is. And there's nothing more frustrating than traveling 200 miles for a competition to be paired against your girlfriend the first round. That is the most frustrating thing in the world because at the time, I don't think I've ever said this. Like at the time, I felt like I was a decent TCG player, and Irene was actually very good as well. Um, she's never made top cut, but you know she she's come close. And I feel like for me, bubbling a lot and making top cut a couple times, like that is not what you want to do. You don't want to go. Well, one of us isn't going to make it right off the bat. No, good thing we've yeah. traveled 200 miles to be here, and good thing this tournament's about, you know, 16 hours long, and heck, we're probably ain't we not going to get a lunch, are we? No, no, because it's a Pokemon tournament. But yeah, <coughs> Joe and I were, were, were joking because they were like, oh, it's eSports. The only difference between now and, you know, what it was three or four years ago is there's more money on the line, and that's really it. I mean, they can change the point structure. They can change how you get the points or how many points you get or who's getting points and who's not getting points. But uh, when I used to play, there was no entry fee. You just showed up, you filled out your form, you sat down and you played, and then you went home disappointed. Now, from my understanding, uh, which happened about two years ago, if you're uh, as long as you're a master, which is 16, 17 plus uh, in age, you have to pay $25 to $30 even to compete. Uh, and that did, at the time, bump up the prize pool. Uh, and now the prizes seem higher. They say $50,000 depending on attendance. I doubt we're going to see any $50,000 off the bat uh, because, again, it's based off attendance. And top cut was always based off attendance. If you had you know 60 people competing, you're probably going to have a top cut of four. Whereas if you had you know, 300 people competing you're probably going to have a top cut of 16. So it's kind of set up uh, in the same way in this regards. My question to you two is, with new rules in place of how to get points, with new tournament structures in place, with a bigger prize pool in place, is this something that has convinced you, oh, maybe I want to get back into the competitive Pokemon scene? I know, Travis, you were once there. I don't. I know, Micah, I think you dabbled in the magic competitive scene, but does this guy, does this do anything for you guys? I was considering
1: getting back into the getting back into VGC regardless when Sun and Moon come out. So, it's hard for me to say if Sweeten in the Pot would have <laughs> um would have convinced me had I not already basically made that decision, but realistically, no because there's no way I would be seeing a single dollar of any of that money because I'm awful. So, for me personally, no but I could, and and I do plan on getting back into VGC, but I could see how increasing the prize pool would be healthier for the very, very top level of, of players to incentivize there to be a very competitive echelon of top tier players. Because if there's not very much money in it, then there aren't a lot of incentives other than just we like the game, which is obviously a strong incentive, but... There's a, a a point in the a, at which the dedication you have to have to be that competitive,
2: uh, there has to be some monetary reward for it. Right. I mean, how else are you supposed to get Pokemon branded gunner glasses? Too. I mean,
0: <laughs> Micah, the real real MLG. The magic I, my the magic LED, scene is LED always LED lit keyboards. <laughs> the magic scene has always had somewhat of a pretty high price oh, pool big, big money but the magic scene has the disconnect of really i mean yes there is a magic video game and there have been magic video games but it's not like a hearthstone or a league of legends or a dota or
2: magic the gathering battlegrounds for original xbox <laughs> right <laughs> top top tier s rank game <laughs> uh no i i recently okay this is so I played magic a lot. Like I played it a lot through high school and on into a little bit of college. And I played very competitively and I got to a point where I, it was in a lot of ways paying for itself. It was like a self-sustaining hobby to some degree. And it, I, from experience, maybe it's changed a lot, but in my experience, the Magic community ha- is probably one of the most toxic uh, competitive communities I've ever participated in. It's um, it's pre- it's pretty awful. But I mean, it's got its upsides and it's got its downs. But it's uh, I would hope that the Pokemon competitive scene is not quite as as bad. I know a lot of competitive scenes can be kind of like kind of toxic like <laughs> um, just in, does that manifest just in
1: bad attitudes of of players or or yeah or
2: like there's weird there's factions a, or no it's mostly just like a lot of the i'm not saying everybody i i met a lot of guys that were really nice in magic competitive but there are uh it seemed to me that the the like aggressively offensive outweighed the like nice and positive but that again that's my experience It could be completely different for everybody else you know but um i i would hope that that pokemon would be like would be different from that but to me i guess pokemon has never been like i've never looked at pokemon as something that I wanted to be to spend a lot of time in it competitively because it's always been something to me that's more of like a personal experience between me and my friends, I guess. And my battling and so on and so forth usually just takes place with the people that I it's the immediate people I surround myself with. I've never considered it, I guess, because of that. And I don't know that I would. It just it's it's too much of like a like a I like the kind of enclosed environment that I
0: have Pokemon in, I guess. <laughs> sure. I mean I've I've met some pretty amazing people playing the TC the TCG competitively. I've also met some of the worst people in the world playing the TCG competitively. Uh there's nothing like <laughs> there's nothing like you can a normal human being can sit down at a, at a table with somebody else and you can pretty quickly tell if the person at the other end of the table is somebody that you would want to strike up a conversation with or somebody who just isn't in the mood to talk or maybe that person is just a complete jerk. Yeah, you can kind of get that feeling when you sit down and see somebody you know, when they're right. five feet away.
2: Well, and I think you get that too with Magic and I think uh, the one of the things that I learned from it is that people who play it, the way that they play it can be a lot different from who they actually are. Yeah. There there's a, there's a level of like uh competitive mind games that goes into sitting down and Please thinking, only call me the Joker them. when I'm at the table. <laughs> I, th- I think what well, <laughs> doesn't normally come at like I and I've said this before to friends of mine and I have friends that I still talk to that that saw this in action. But there were things that like the way that I acted during a uh, like a magic game was is way different from who I am normally. Like I, w- I, I could be a really annoying jerk at the table. But outside of that, I mean, it, it's it's part of like playing it you know yeah just it's it's like a mindset that you slide into i i hate like have playing against people who are doing the same thing it's the worst and i hate it and i hate that i was ever like that but (laughs) but you know it's part of part of competitive (laughs) i guess
0: what always threw me off was when you when you sat down at a table and you're having a great conversation with the other person about who knows what right like oh like you're wearing a you're wearing a penny arcade hoodie or a harry potter hoodie and so like let's talk about that and you're playing the game you're having a great conversation and then what always got me what always blew my mind was when that person realized they realized that they lost or that they messed up and there was probably no coming back that they would shut off that friendly personality pretty instantly and just become extremely aggressive. And I understand, like, if you're losing, to maybe like, get quiet or just kind of be like disappointed or sad that you, you made, made mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, even some of the best players. But then, but it was always just shocking to go, we had a, an amazing conversation seconds ago. No one has moved from this table, and now... That was before you got that nasty donk. Right. Well, I mean, if we got the donk, we wouldn't be having much of a conversation. But now to not only become aggressive, but to start playing slower, to start stalling, to start... Uh, oh, man.
2: And the card flick?
0: To start being... There's, there's, to me, in, in a competitive game, there's always... I always was the uh, the I don't know if this if this is a real rule in chess or if it's a real rule in other games. But when you're playing chess and you let go of the piece, I, I, I played chess in high school, by oh, the way, yeah. 100%. when you 100 percent, when you let go exactly what you're talking, when about. you let go of the piece, your move is done. That's it, it's over. It's over. You made your move. You've made your move. If your hand is on the piece and you're moving it and you're moving it back and you, you lift it up and you grab another piece, that's fine. But once you let go of that piece that you've moved, your turn is done. And that is how it is in Pokemon. That is an actual rule. Once you play a card, right. you're, you're done. Uh, right. And it is up, uh, in the rules, it is up to your opponent to let you take that move back. And so if I I play an energy card on my Squirtle and I meant to play that on my Vanillax, uh I could go, I messed up, can I take that move back? And, you know, again, it depends on who you're playing with. They always they might say no. The I've gotten a couple response. I just, I sometimes I get no. Sometimes I get no, I'm sorry, it's it's just a competitive game. I hope you understand. Uh I get sure. Or, uh, or, or just like a yeah. In just tournament senses, if, if I let a person take a move back, right? So if Micah plays uh, Grass Energy on his Nuzleaf on his and he goes, ah, can I take that back? I meant to play it on my ditto. If I say yes, my, my reasoning is I'm going to make a mistake and I want them to say yes when I do it. And the minute that other person doesn't do it, I want to flip the whole table. <laughs> <laughs> Which has happened, right? And so then, yes. then you get bitter into the next round and somebody makes a mistake and you go, no, it's a competitive game. Uh, I hope you understand. And it becomes like this, this toxic that builds up over the tournament. Oh, yeah. Like I've been in situations where the person's made a mistake and I go, oh, okay, like, yeah, take it back. And they, they say the same to me, like, oh, okay, you know, take it back. But I've been in situations where we both say no, and it's just that's, that's, the, that's the setup we formed prior to that match. But I don't know. It's just uh, I got out of it mostly because I could have used that time for other stuff. I mean, obviously now I'm doing three different podcasts and everything, so it would be hard to fi- fit time in that. But no matter how... Somebody could always say, you know, just go just go and have a great time. Just, you know, don't worry about it. It's just a game. You love Pokemon. Go and play and have fun. It is so hard to do that when when you're sitting next to a person that the example I used was we were just having a great conversation. We were just playing a game and yeah, maybe I'm winning now. And it's it's nothing against you. Somebody has to win in this situation. But don't like <laughs> don't flip on me and be extremely aggressive because I'm here to have fun. I'm here to have a great time. And now you have like, just stomped that into the ground. Right.
2: I think aside from maybe like the first year that I was playing, what at, I think at the time was called DCI sanctioned events or at the time was called DCI sanctioned events. I don't know what it's called now. Like they're competitive stuff. The like organization was the DCI. Um, but w- for, for for my first year of playing DCI stuff, I probably was like, pretty on the fence about that but after that first year it was 100 percent shut it down like if your hand comes off the card that's it if you touch my card i'm calling the judge like <laughs> really aggressive but it, that's the way it was that was the like atmosphere everybody was mm-hmm. like that and it was it got to a point where it was just like not fun to be like that i guess i will say though this i think it was last month um I watched the Magic World to Championships on uh uh Twitch. They aired it on Twitch and I watched it just cuz I was interested. I haven't seen anything magic related in a while. I thought it was kind of interesting that they were airing the champ- the championships on Twitch so I watched it. And it was the like the uh game type that I used to play competitively which is like the most current sets in rotation rather than like everything old, which they call like legacy or whatever. Um, and it was interesting to watch, but one of the things I noticed was how, how much nicer everybody was to each other. It was, it was really surprising to turn it on and see all of these guys sitting at these tables and like being really polite to one another and shaking hands after games and like, Say talking about tactics afterwards and telling them what a great job they did if they won, and, and and you know the person that's telling them lost, and it was pretty surprising. But I still have that like taste in my mouth from those old experiences of like it was never that friendly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I've seen you know under just re- recent Twitch streams of Pokemon and stuff, you always you almost always see good sportsmanship, but. It's almost like you have to work past like the, the trash slash garbage bitter people to get there,
1: <laughs> right? No one, is and I'm sure no internally the like round robin grind that oh, precedes yeah, all sure. of these tournaments, where presumably I mean, most of the sadness
2: happens. I'm assuming that still, you know, Friday night magic that's happening, and <laughs> a little tiny game store that nobody is. <laughs> talking about is still a plethora of you know uh, horribly offensive things are being said on a regular basis and cards have are being I thrown my, and
1: tables I are being my, flipped have i told my friday night magic story on this
0: show no no why don't, why don't you tell it and then we can i we think can, you should now <laughs> we, we can break after that because yeah that's all i got for uh for news I can't remember if...
1: I must have been in middle school. Middle school or early high school, but I think middle school. Yeah, it was middle school. I went to a Friday Night Magic at the... There wasn't anything in the town where I lived, but there's one in like the next town over, so my brother and I drove down there, and we went to this game store that we'd never been to just because we saw online that they did Friday Night Magic. And we walk in, and the look of shock that there were customers that the owner didn't recognize on everyone's face was like, how did, how did they find us? <laughs> there, there was a, a, a super broken in couch where some dudes were playing double dash on a game cube. <laughs> and there was a, there was a place where a, a counter at which you would buy trading cards but it really looked like it was just an operation where some pals could hang around and play video games with the pretense of being a game store because there was very little in the way of selling anything and a lot of... If you didn't see the counter, it would just be someone's house. <laughs> <laughs> if the counter where there was like a cash register and some singles and and packs laid about. And then... um. We didn't know what we were doing in Magic, so we got our butts handed to us, uh, and then so we're like, eh, that wasn't really fun. We got our butts handed to us, and the place was kind of sketchy. I happened to be in that town again shortly after that, and and I wanted to buy some packs, so I was like, yeah, even though that place wasn't that that great, I'll I'll just go and buy some packs. Uh, and the guy recognized me, and he was like, oh, are you going to, you and your, your brother, are you going to uh, come back? You know, we're playing next week, another Friday Night Magic.
2: And I was just like, please, please come back. We have no customers.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. And I said, no, I don't think we
2: will. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't. <laughs> that's my that's beautiful story. Solid. I, I will say that there were some really amazing shops and like shop owners that I experienced like probably my most positive experiences playing magic yeah. were interacting with people who ran shops because they were some of the nicest guys I've ever met and yeah. the the most memorable shop for me was actually kind of over by where you live Steve it it was called VGC and it stood for video games and cards which is an incredibly clever name for a store that sells cards and has a video game system in the front. And it was the first place that I ever discovered super monkey ball. So there's a little that, that has like a anytime I play super monkey ball, I think about that place, but it was just ridiculous there. Like the guys that ran it were like big kids and they had a, it was super fun for them to do. And everybody there for the most part was really nice and we would do ri- ridiculous things like we at one point during a break through like drafting we decided that we were going to try this SpongeBob SquarePants trading card game that they <laughs> happened to just get in so then we took it super serious and like we're drafting SpongeBob cards like, <laughs> it was a fun
0: time That sounds incredible I uh yeah, I don't know much what, what else we could really say on, on the changes to the format competitive-wise. I, I feel like Pokemon's chasing chasing the, the Dota and League of Legends and the especially the Hearthstone crowd of trying to get more people to play their games with a higher prize pool. More money brings in more people, right? I guess that's what it comes down to. I suppose that's true. I mean, 50K. Up to, yeah, up to 50K, yeah. Up to 50K uh, is a
2: pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out, especially with the next tournament starting, starting relatively soon. We'll, uh, we'll keep our finger on that. But right now, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a couple of emails, and we then we have our Pokemon of the Week. and we are back from our break. We can talk about some
2: emails. Real quick before we do emails, can I just give a shout-out to... I was going to do this at the start, but I forgot. I want to give a shout-out to Miss Delaney in the It's Super Effective Slack community for hooking it up at 4 a.m. my time with a hoopa. (laughs) Were you just missing that for your Pokedex? That was it. I was missing Hoopa as far as like, you know, event stuff goes. That was the only one that I was missing. So thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, I got my (laughs) got my prison bottle, and I'm I'm ready for
0: a bunch of arms. Speaking of Patreon, you've reminded me. I just want to take a second and thank everyone, listeners listeners and Patreon people, people who back us on Patreon and don't listen. I don't know if there's that that circle overlaps. I don't think so, but as of us recording, we are at 242 Patreon backers. Almost to that 250. And I couldn't be more happy and more grateful, pleased, excited. I got a lot of words I can use. That's why it's hard. Uh it's just super flattering to have you guys Throw a couple bucks our way a month for us to do cool things. It means a lot. Something like the PAX panel wouldn't have happened without the Patreon. And uh, Dungeons and Dragonites probably wouldn't have happened without the Patreon. And now Mazes and Magikarps is something that's happening. And, and Greg and I are talking about a season three of that, uh, which we have a couple names picked out for. But just a lot of cool things happening uh, because of what you guys support and I know a lot of you guys are asking for another movie night so we can watch a movie together. Uh, That is planned for October 8th, which is a Saturday. We're thinking uh, 8 p.m. Central Time. I'm not sure which movie we're going to watch. It depends on... How do
1: you manage 100% of the time to pick these movie nights? on nights that i cannot do it almost (laughs) every single i'll stop
0: you know i uh i look at your calendar first and i go well i don't want travis there (laughs) so here we go uh so october 8th 8 p.m central time the time could slightly change depending uh but that saturday is our going to be our next movie night can we watch the movie where latios kisses ash that was a movie right Oh, you better believe that was a movie, <laughs> Pokemon Heroes, to be exact. Uh, I don't, it is. I don't know if that is on Hulu or Netflix, or I'm not sure. But we can look into it. I don't it. believe it
1: is. I was, uh, Carly wanted to watch it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said we should watch a Pokemon movie, and that's the one she and suggested. She jumped, she jumped which, right which to hear us, which I thought was odd.
0: But people, yeah, only, I, I people only are watching Heroes for one thing. <laughs> they know what they're getting know. into. So, as, <laughs> as, so, uh, as always, the uh, $10 Patreon backers will have first access, and then the rest of the Patreon people will have access after that. And then, after that, uh, after they get the links, that'll go out on Twitter and Facebook uh, just to give them a little bit of priority, understandably, since they, uh, they're, they're the ones that asked for it. The other new thing coming to Patreon is there is, speaking of Miss Delaney, there is a pen pal club started, uh, which is really cool. She's doing the whole thing. She's uh, she's running that. But what it entails is that every month you get put into a group of people and you are supposed to send them a handwritten letter and they will send you one back. And it's a pen pal club. Uh, so I think that's really cool. Uh, I know there's a bunch of people in there and uh, they're doing their trial run uh, this month so I think the, the open run for the rest of the slack will be after uh, October 10th if I, I could be a little off on that date so uh, if, if that's something that tickles your fancy and you're a Patreon backer that's, uh, that's something we'll be doing and uh, yeah that's, I'm sure I'm forgetting some stuff but let's jump into emails and uh, it'll give me time to remember <laughs> If you want to send us an email You can send us an email about anything Pokemon or not SBJ at PKMNcast.com Or just head over to Pokemon Or just head head over to Pokemon com (laughs) 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 Slash (laughs) Contact Really tried Not to drop the ball there And I did anyways No you did it it was great Guess that's staying in. Tyler writes in, uh, says, dear SBJ and co-hosts, Will is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Got some bad news for you, Tyler. Tyler.
2: I'm really sorry that this is the episode
0: that your that your letter gets picked on. This is the train wreck you signed up for. Right? Uh, he writes in and goes, I love your show and the D&D episodes make me laugh. I've been listening to your podcast since episode 224 relatively recently uh i've hoped that i hope that i will be able to buy sun and moon on launch day i have never bought a game on launch day i was wondering if you could read this on the show and it it would be great i have two questions first your favorite alolan pokemon and second your favorite generation of pokemon thanks everyone for the wonderful episodes every time tyler i already forgot the first question
2: favorite alolan pokemon Oh, Favorite Alolan,
1: mm. Pokemon. Right now, it's between me Alolan Meowth and Alolan Executor for me.
0: All right, I, I mean, it's easy for me. It's Alolan Executor. I mean, are we talking about like Alolan type
2: or just? I think we're talking like the Alolan, Alolan form, like Alolan version. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or any saying. from from Alola?
0: I think Alolan version.
2: That's how I like I Alolan, it. Alolan. Does it
1: say favorite Alolan form Pokemon, or does it say favorite Pokemon from Alolan? My answer to the question, "What is my favorite Pokemon from Sun and uh, of the newly announced ones?" is Mimikyu.
2: Same, a hundred percent. And any any answer otherwise is wrong.
0: Correct. Let me tell you about Alolan Executor.
2: If if it's specifically Alolan versions of Pokemon, I'm gonna have to say probably Alolan Meowth. I really like Alolan Meowth a lot.
1: All right. Look at me. I'm the little Venn diagram middle section between the two of you. (laughs) I connect these I am the the vital center
2: of, of this of this podcast recording. Don't get me wrong, Alolan executor is sweet. But there's something about Alolan Meowth that's just it's like Just a little cheeky. Yeah, there's something. <laughs> there's something there.
0: Favorite
1: generation, two. I like Gen two, and I like its remakes both a lot. And I, and I realized that the remakes are Gen four, but I thought Gen two not only had one of the most fun regions to play in, it also had um great pacing in comparison to the games that came in comparison to gens one and three. It had, um, what I think everyone still agrees, uh, with perhaps the exception exception of its own remakes. Um, the best post game of any Pokemon, uh, generation with allowing you to return to Kanto and, on um, battle those gyms again. And, uh, Piloswine, Comes from Gen 2, and Swine's my favorite Pokemon.
2: Micah? I would say either 1 or 2. Mostly because 1 has just... It just has so much... Uh, I just have so many great memories tied to to Gen 1. Gen 1 or Micah over as here. As much as everybody wants to just be like, Micah's a Gen 1-er. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's they were great experiences. I have a <laughs> lot of fond memories of playing yeah. playing on a Brick Game Boy with my brother, yeah. um, but I do also really like Gen Two because it was such a, a fantastic improvement on Gen One and like the the foundation of Gen One and the fact that you could return was also a big deal for me too, because it was like getting to experience everything that I fell in love with again, and the music in Gen Two is just. A plus, mm-hmm. it's really great. It's it's a hard choice though. I'll say that because I've I've liked a lot of things from every generation.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, usually the the question is what's your favorite game, and that's for me, Heart Gold Soul Silver. Uh generation wise, I don't. I have a strong connection to Gen Four. I think that was the game that really reminded me why I liked Pokemon so much in the first place. I would be very curious for a remake of Gen 4 to see if that holds up uh, the same way. But there's a reason my cat is named Sinnoh. So, yeah, Gen 4. The interesting thing to me about the prospect of a Gen 4 remake,
1: at least a few things. First, maybe it's just, I mean, this is purely anecdotal because I don't have a... Uh, uh, a sample size large enough, but it, to me, it seems like Gen 4 doesn't get a lot of love. Gen 4 is a, a generation that, like Generation 3, has a lot of critics. I am not one of those. I think Generation 4, and then like a lot of people love hard gold and soul silver, but not a lot of people love diamond, pearl, and platinum, um, which I do. I think it's interesting that you don't see as much clamoring for a Gen 4 remake as you saw for Gen 3 remakes. At least my perception is you don't see as many people now asking for a Gen 4 remake as you saw after Gen 2 is remade, wondering when is there going to be an, a Ruby and Sapphire remake, and I recognize that could possibly be Those because Those people were insane. Entire... <laughs> I realize that that part of it has to do with the fact that Gen 5 came and went with no remake after um, Gens 3 and 4 both had uh, remakes within those those generations. But um, you don't see a lot of clamoring for a Gen 4 remake. And I guess my second point is that Gen 4 to me, and maybe this is just my getting old, but Gen 4 to me still feels like a modern enough game.
2: I was going to say, it's like pretty recent still yeah and i almost wonder if there is not there hasn't been enough time hasn't passed to to have it be nostalgic
0: enough i was still living with my parents when gen 4 came out i mean it was what five years ago gen 4 what more than that six years ago
2: no, I was try in place, like I was in 12 years ago. No, 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 my bad, my bad. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Gen 5. I don't know why I completely blended those two together. Maybe that speaks to how maybe much I'm Gen 4. Maybe that speaks I'm to you hating Gen, Gen 4. Gen 4. 2006, a decade ago. Okay, so yeah, I mean, maybe. 2007 in North America. Maybe that's, maybe that's enough time. I don't know. I think... Th- I had this theory way back when I was on an episode around the time that Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire were launching that the my theory is that the all of the excitement and the like clamoring for Gen 3 remakes was because it was a period where a lot of people who were original Pokemon players fell out of Pokemon At the time that Gen 3 came out, like it was around the time where it was around the time where people were people who like were old enough to be playing it originally. And, and, you know, remember, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say.
0: (laughs) No, I I, get what you're trying to say. People who are
2: players are like, you know, in there in middle school or whatever, like the target age group for for the original games. Those people were in high school or going into high school or leaving high school when Gen 3 was coming out, and a lot of them were just getting to a point where it was like it wasn't cool to like Pokemon anymore, you know? Like, they felt like because they were in high school, they were too old for it and things like that. And I, I feel like there were a lot of people who missed Gen 3 because of that and maybe were wanting remakes because they didn't get to really experience it the same way that they got to experience other stuff. I know that I had a lot of friends that miss gen three. I didn't cause I don't care. I'll like whatever I want. (laughs) I do. I do. I'm an adult. I don't uh, think I had a lot of friends that didn't play gen three. They skipped it because of those reasons. Like they felt like they they they... they had like grown out of it. But But then they they rediscovered it after, you know,
1: were they the people who were clamoring for remakes though? I feel like a hundred percent really, because my experience is the people asking for remakes of gen three are a little younger than I am. And and I'm, I I realize I sound like a uh, wise guru who's, and uh, they're uh, clearly in their 80s just because of the, the wisdom that I have. Um But you're I'm Poke actually dad. 23 years old.
2: You're, you're everyone's
1: <laughs> Pokemon dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even as a 23-year-old person, I feel like the fact that I started on Gen 1 is a little strange for someone my age because, gosh, when did Gen 1 come
2: out in North America? 98 99
1: Yeah, I was born in late 92, so I would have been 6 or something. Uh I mean, I when. feel like that's about like target age range for what they were but, shooting for. But barely, right? Like if I were 5 or 4,
0: I would not. I feel like their target age range is 10. I don't know, maybe because everything in the Pokémon world revolves around a 10-year-old.
1: <laughs> well, you want to you want to aspire to be your character. So the target age is like eight, because then you think, oh man, this oh, game must be ten. This kid's but, but,
2: ten? Are double you digits? <laughs> I can't <laughs> even imagine what it's like to be ten. Just like the
1: target, the target demographic demographic of the magazine seventeen is not for seventeen year olds. Anyway, I I lost my train of thought a little bit, but what I, I guess what I'm saying is, people around my age either started very young on gen one or started on gen two and or maybe started on yellow there's a lot of people my age that started on yellow because it came out just late enough that it hit us uh when we were old enough to comprehend what was happening in our video games but people just a a few years younger than me were caught in that liminal space when Gen 2 came out that they might have been a little too young to fully enjoy that game. So the first Pokemon game that they had that they were old enough to to really get into was Gen 3. And in my experience, it's, it's those people, it's people a few years younger than me that are the huge Gen 3 fans, understandably, because it's the one that they're able to connect with fully first. Yeah. Um, and I always feel like it's those people who no, were asking that makes for a Gen 3 remake, but I don't know. That's my experience.
2: I'm sure it was a combination of those groups. Yeah. That were probably really because I I mean, when I say that they these are people who skipped it, I mean they skipped it at the time. Like yeah, where obviously they rediscovered the games and they went back and played Gen three and it was like mm-hmm. God's gift to Pokemon was was Gen three, which in my personal opinion, maybe not so much. I like Gen 3 the same way that I like Gen 4 or Gen 5. But mm-hmm. you know, it's You're giving not, Gen 3 too much not, credit. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't anything like as someone who who played through it at the time, it it wasn't, I don't know. It didn't really stand out that much. I I think maybe part of it too is that it came hot off the heels of Gen 2 and that was like
0: one of the high points for me. I mean like yeah. I think it comes down to re-releases make money. Oh yeah absolutely. I I would be more surprised if a Diamond and Pearl re-release didn't come out because Pokemon has been on a three year schedule of main series games. It's been 20 years and seven main series games now and the mm-hmm. re-releases have only just padded in between because if you are a company that when you put out a Pokemon game, that game becomes the number one bestseller for months. It would be silly to sit on nothing for two and a half years in between game releases. The, the remakes or the spin-offs are just easy ways to keep the money flowing in.
2: Oh, absolutely. I do think though, that the, they're, if they're not like wise to it already, that they will get wise to it. That they need to start slowing the remakes, though, because they're gonna just catch up at some point. But then you just—they just, already have,
0: right? You just remake Red Red and Blue again, like yeah, just uh, back it up. Red and Blue, Red and Blue remakes for the twentieth i would be so disappointed and frustrated in the pokemon company if when 25 years comes there's not a remake of red and blue sitting in my nintendo console of whatever that is in five years that's right i've had enough ports of red and blue to to fill a i mean
2: on on like a new engine maybe it would be cool i would honestly i would like to see a collection of uh like multiple generations i think it would be kind of cool to see a remake that takes things from each of them and kind of combines them into like an anniversary thing
0: all right fantasy booking over here settle down
2: (laughs) hey you know (laughs) and i mean i agree and you can make your own pokemon you you may you get to design your own pokemon and you can print print stickers i hear that I hear Real that time if, battle. You, if you go to the truck on the bridge,
0: <laughs> I hear for the 25th anniversary they're bringing back Blockbuster, and you'll be able to take <laughs> your games in and print your favorite stickers. Uh, this next email is from Layton. Hey Steve, I hope I really hope you can bring this up with the super effective game gang next week. Uh, this was hey, this was like six days ago, so we're on we're on. We're on schedule here. Got it. Nailed it. On last show, you guys were discussing Looker and his first appearance in the game. I wanted to mention that there was a character in Generation 1 on the SSN who said that he is a global police agent. I assume that Looker and this character were the same. I feel like the Generation shorts are also a nod towards this ideal. Do you think Looker is the character from Generation 1? Love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, P.S. I've been listening since 2010. I remember you being a rival podcast of Pokemon Monday. Thanks for keeping the show going. It's a highlight to listen to each week. Thanks and keep it up, Layton. Man, that's the year Gen 4 came out. What? No, Gen 4 came out in 2006. <laughs> 2006. Slow <Still> down, Micah. <laughs> I don't think Pokemon Monday ever acknowledged our podcast, and probably at the time, we were significantly smaller than them. I believe they stopped after about 30 or so episodes. I know that that, that was hosted by GamesRadar. And yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that podcast at the time. And I, I definitely thought to myself, starting at Super Effective, that, that ISC could be a better podcast. Uh, whether or not you think we're better, we definitely have lasted the the test of time compared to Pokemon Monday.
1: Quantity
0: over quality. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I brought this up actually last week, I think, with Travis that... uh, I was gonna say, I thought I, I feel like I'm having
1: deja vu because I thought we... Yeah, we
0: talked talked about about that a bit. Uh, I mean, it could be possible. I think you, you hit the nail on the head last week, Travis, that it's definitely, uh, a fun thing theory Mm -hmm. michael real quick what are what are your thoughts on the generation stuff have you seen any of it
2: i watched the first half of the first episode (laughs) and then i said if i'm if i continue watching this i'm just gonna watch all of them that i can in one shot and i stopped and said i'll watch it later (laughs) i was gonna
0: say you like you got like bored or tired two minutes
2: out no, of three I really minutes I liked it I, <laughs> I liked it a lot but i just i i didn't have the the time at the moment to dedicate to it even though it's like what four minutes long or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. i
1: also thought you were going to say that you were so frustrated halfway through that you and i was trying to think like what happens halfway through that first generation <laughs> finished the can't last believe minute. they don't show the the how hard it uh, how hard the trainer uh, had to work to the, get that pikachu into that location they never where's acknowledged the that he was where's
0: red with
2: mew under it
0: people are saying <laughs> that he's ash but he's red come on uh, come on I guys
2: that where where was where were all the where was the where was
0: the gs ball that's what i want to know that's the real the hard hitting questions here the john question <laughs> john john writes in <laughs> Hey guys, I recently discovered your podcast Man, we completely brushed over the last guy's looker question Oh, I, well, we, we, talked, we, already talked we talked about, about it last week. week Oh, my bad Yeah Hey, guy, hey guys, B-Squad here Get with the program <laughs> uh, John writes B, in B-Team Micah here Hey guys, I recently discovered your podcast You guys were the first one I came across And over here in Germany, active duty uh, army I am an American this is making my workday so much better. I love listening to you guys. Keep it going. I will be supporting next paycheck. Thanks for brightening my day.
1: Well, thank you for brightening our Patreon t- <laughs> donation total.
2: Thank you for brightening my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I say that
1: sarcastically, but, but we do very, very much appreciate all of the, all of the support.
0: Yes, correct. My email inbox is a disaster by the way guys. So if I've been I, I've been throwing money at it and let me tell you I love it's it's worth it. Mike has been throwing money and my email inbox is just being <laughs> No, I don't yep, know what that. happened with my my flagging system and my folder system, so I apologize as I go through these emails if they might be repeats. I don't think so though. Uh, Adrian writes in, "Hey Travis Will SBJ and the rest." <laughs> believe uh that's where you fall under mike the rest the rest all right hey guys it's the rest here <laughs> bringing uh Bring- no, i couldn't go anywhere with that joke i love the podcast i started to listen to it because of pokemon go i play the video games but not the tcg i love the ending song a lot i didn't listen to all the episodes so i don't know all of the pokemon of the week if you still do that my favorite pokemon is togekiss thank you for the fun sincerely adrian I'm gonna be switching the pokemon of the week on me <laughs> <laughs> i gotta make a for togekiss when i already had one except for dusk noir nah we'll, we'll stick with dusk noir but uh, i feel like we've done togekiss you sound so flustered eh,
1: and you do serene grace you have it do uh air slash and you and thunder so you you use Thunder Wave to paralyze them and then you use Air Slash and because you have a serene grace, they have an extremely small chance to actually be able to do a move and you just do it and you frustrate everyone on the entire planet and then and then you do like Roost and Nasty Plot just to make it even worse. And there's, there's your Togekiss.
2: Alright, we did it. We did have it. a great night, guys. Yeah. We'll see you next <laughs> week. The <laughs> <laughs> know,
0: that's not even the ending song anymore, is it? No, that's not. The... Shout out to Nick. I don't know if he wants us to say his last name or not. Nick and Slack. The Nick. The Nick. I uh, myself and him worked on the when I say myself, I'm just trying to sound important, but we worked on the uh the intro and the outro together. Uh he's done all the music for mythical and for It's Super Effective. And it was a bit of a collaboration of me telling him that. No, the stuff you've made is garbage. You can do better, and then he does better, and then I say, "No, you can do a little bit better," and then that's how we got the music for the show. Uh, it's all awesome. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all fantastic. The th- the theme song is based on route 201 from Generation 4, by the way. So Hey, look at that. They are full circle, full circle. This all this podcast should be called Full Circle. It's really what it comes down to. But uh yeah, props to Nick for doing all the music. I don't think he gets enough credit, but uh, the intro and the outro are definitely custom to the podcast. So a lot of people ask, like, "Oh, where would you get that song, or what? What soundtrack is that out uh, off of?" But it is it is custom, uh, and it and and that's it. Like a lot of uh, other people ask, can. Can you give me the full version of the song, or was the rest of it sound like what? What? What is there? Is the whole version he like specific, Nick specifically designed it for intro and outro purposes, so there, there's no like hidden thirty extra seconds to it. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, it's great, but it is what it is. Only the
2: finest of custom, delicious jams. On, <laughs> it's super effective.
0: But all, all the, all the middle music is usually music from just the super collections that you can get out of iTunes. So Uh, we'll do one more email. And uh, again, if you want to email us, sbj at pkmncast.com. If you've emailed us before and we haven't gotten to it, uh, it might be lost forever. So don't be afraid or don't hesitate to send in that email again. Uh, My apologies. Again, my email box inbox is a disaster. And uh, once I get a couple hours, I'm going to clean it up and reorganize it to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. Last email here is from Tip. Tip writes in and goes, Hey, Steve, a quick follow-up slash theory about the evolution of Alolan Pokemon. The examples you guys mentioned in the latest podcast, Pikachu and Execute, evolve by using stones. Perhaps Alolan Pokemon evolve into Alolan Pokemon, Meowth Meowth into Alolan Persian, for example, but normal Pokemon can evolve into Alolan Pokemon via... An Alolan variant evolution stone, an Alolan Leaf Stone, for example. Just thought that would be potential explanation for the logic of Alolan variants and your evolution and evolutions for your consideration. I actually uh, forgot all about that. That Pikachu and Execute need stones to evolve. Where like yeah, Meowth, that's, that's... and Ninetales and Sandshrew do not need stones. But they but, that whole family line is Alolan, whereas Execute and Pikachu are not Alolan. We don't know about
1: Persian yet, but presumably.
0: Right. But it, yeah, it just I seems think it
2: would be a little odd to have an Alolan Meowth and then not an Alolan Persian. Agreed, but Persian. I mean
1: just yes. for the sake of accuracy for what we know so far. Speculative. Yeah.
2: Uh I almost Think that, like, I when I whenever I'm thinking about the Alolan stuff, I like to think of it from the perspective of like, yo, Kai watch, you live in Alola and nothing outside of Alola exists, right? So it's like, it's like a its own enclosed environment, really? I don't think that at all. No, 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 hear me out. So, like, the idea that you would have to have stones to evolve certain types to Alolan types would imply that. Those stones already exist on that island, and they have a use specifically for Pokemon that come from outside of Alola, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. That it's that it's sort of if you live in Alola, there's no there's no use for those stones, really, because that's just the those are your Pokemon. That's the Pokemon of the region that you live in, right? So the only reason that they would exist is for people who come from outside of Alola and bring Pokemon with them that would need those stones to evolve. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see it more as you look at a Pokemon like Mudbray and its Pokedex entry says that it existed all over the world, but it was hunted, and so it, it only exists in Alola now because they don't hunt donkeys there like the rest of the Pokemon world oddly enough it's such a terrible pokemon what? What? <laughs> <Mudbray> is cool
2: <laughs> I, I i guess <laughs> i guess what i meant when i said that is that if, if you think about it like it's its own its own region and its own culture i guess and anything outside of that is i guess
0: i don't know I mean, it all still exists, clearly. It
2: all exists, absolutely, but I don't want to discount, like, what is happening, what exists on Alola. You got Cousin Oak
0: there, and obviously, real Oak exists in Kanto.
2: The second that you start introducing things that are like, Alola relies on everything else instead of just Alola itself, then I feel like it starts to discount the... I guess like integrity of Alola. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, Do you know yeah like? it like, does. And in, 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 by integrity, I mean like storytelling-wise, like and as far as the game goes, like it's the only, it's your re, it's the region that you're in. You don't really want it to rely on all of the other regions that came before it. You want it to rely on Alola because it's it's that's where the game's taking place. You know. I think all the regions getting late. I have no desire to.
1: To think about the integrity of a fictional location
0: i mean i disagree with mike i think all the regions balance each other in some way i just don't think we have enough information about alolan forms to jump to a reasonable collu- conclusion of how that fits into the overall pokemon lore i if my my guess would be it has something to do with the research factory and Something to do with how Pokemon live in certain habitats and blah, blah, blah. But uh, as we get closer to Sun and Moon, I'm sure those, I'm sure Pokemon will show us because they've showed us 90% of the game so far. I mean, we keep saying
1: that, but there, we haven't, I would guess there's a lot of new Pokemon we haven't seen yet. I'm guessing there's a lot of Alolan forms we haven't seen yet.
2: I feel like there's still a lot
1: more to know about.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, we got, they revealed Mimikyu, and that's pretty much 90% of what the game's going to be anyway, right, Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I,
0: I feel like Pokemon is, is definitely scared to get to the 1,000th a thousandth, a thousandth Pokemon, and that's why they're doing Mega, and that's why they're doing Eleven, because they want to do new Pokemon, but I feel like that 1,000th Pokemon has not been decided yet, right? Because that, that, uh-huh. is, that is, that's important. Like that is a milestone. Like that is a, yeah. We cannot mess this up, right? Um. So I just, I just feel like the Mega Pokemon and the Alolan Pokemon, while they they seem great, Alolan forms, I mean, while they seem great, while they're they're fantastic, while the uh, while I like them a lot, they're just delaying the. They're just delaying adding more Pokemon to the Pokedex. I think they finally realize like maybe we have too many and we need to slow down because what happens when we get to a thousand? How does that affect mm-hmm. our 20 years? I, I could be wrong. Maybe they have 300 Pokemon waiting for us and they've only shown 37 of them so far. Uh, speaking of 700 some Pokemon, we pick one a week to talk about. Nice. This week, we picked <laughs> Dusk Norwar. Beautiful. And I'm Beautiful going to segue. throw it to Travis, thank you. It's been a good it's been a good episode for for two-wheeled devices. That was a segue joke, I guess. Didn't What? It? Yep. <laughs> right over uh, Travis! What is our Pokemon of the Week? And uh, it's all you. Our Pokemon of the Week is Dusk Noir. Dusk Noir
1: is Ghost Type, as you probably already know. And Ghost Types have an interesting role to play when building a team for singles specifically ghost types are the only type of pokemon that are immune to normal type attacks so that makes them among the only pokemon really the only pokemon that can act as a pokemon to switch in to negate the effects of rapid spin Rapid Spin is a move that does very little damage. It's a normal type move. I think it has 10 base power or something minuscule like that. But it removes all entry hazards from your opponent's side of the field. So things like Stealth Rock, Spikes, Toxic Spikes, Sticky Web. All those things... Or no, from your side of the field, I misspoke. If your opponent sets up stealth rocks and you rapid spin stealth rocks go away along with any other entry hazards that might be on your side of the field. Spin blockers are not quite as useful as they used to be because of the Gen 6 edition of Defog, uh, or not the addition of Defog, but the change to Defog where It retains its old ability of reducing evasion, but also takes away all entry hazards from both sides. It makes rapid spin not the only way to deal with entry hazards. So the fact that spin blockers counter only one of two ways to remove entry hazards, now they're not quite as useful, but they still have a role to play, especially on teams where... You are relying on keeping those entry hazards up on hyper defensive teams that might try to abuse something like Whirlwind on Skarmory after you've set up a bunch of spikes and uh, and stealth rocks. So you need something like Dusk Noir to be able to switch in when you expect a rapid spin from something like a Starmie, an Excadrill, something like that. And unfortunately for you, when you go and you want to use Dust Noir because it's a Pokemon you really like, he's spooky, he's got an animation where he looks like he's pulling a Kamehameha right on up, but unfortunately for you, when you look up uh, on something like Smogon to find out what a good moveset is, you find that all the movesets are designed for very low level play, because Dust Noir, while having okay stats, uh, has low HP and and only has sort of small niches where it excels in comparison to um, some other ghost type options uh, for spin blockers stuff like sableye gengar not a lot of people have thought about using dusk noir against the full field of pokemon that can be used so instead of getting a set that really works against anything you get a set that's Specifically tailored for what they call their PU tier list, which is like sort of a joke. PU, a P-U That's that's why they call it that. Like it's um and it's been? uh it's both. Yeah, I, I think it was called that as a joke, and then the name stuck like stuck because it's. I think for something to qualify for PU, it has to be in the bottom. So to qualify, so that this is getting a little inside baseball on how Smogun works, but at the top you have anything goes, which is as it sounds, anything goes right below that is Ubers, which is basically anything with the exception of, I think the only exception is Mega Rayquaza at the moment. And below that is Overused, that's the most popular uh, format, and that's everything with the exception of some of the strongest, uh, usually legendaries that are at the top, then Underused, then Rarely Used, and at the bottom you have never used, which I think represents the bottom uh, Pokemon that are in the bottom 2% of usage, and then, or something like that, or they're used only 2% of the time, or I forget, but then of the Pokemon that are never used, if they're only used less than 2% of the time in that format, then they qualify for PU. And so Dusk Noir, is, when you look up sets for them, you're only going to find stuff that fit against that very specific and narrow field so it doesn't actually work if you're actually trying to uh, build a team against your friend who's probably going to be using might be using like an extra drill or a star me as their rapid spinner so i'm going to base the set off of theirs but tweak it a little bit so that it it would work against those uh, more overused pokemon we're going to keep the basics of the set we're going to do 252 EVs in HP and attack. Uh, given that you have decent enough bulk. Actually, you have great defenses in 135 and 135 for defense and special defense. Your HP is only 45, but you're still gonna mm. invest in HP to survive a little bit, and then the other 252 in into attack. And you're gonna give your Dustin Noir a life orb because you want enough offensive presence so that you can either take out the rapid spinner and then not have to worry about rapid spin or deal enough damage to the Pokemon they switch into when they see that you switch into your spin blocker Um, your moves going to stick with the basics that they have which are shadow sneak uh, to get a stab move that has increased priority Uh, sucker punch also has increased priority and dark type is also a good uh, coverage to have uh earthquake is great coverage to have it it hits spin blockers like excadrill and um you know not that people use avalog but technically avalog has rapid spin so you could use it there too and then they recommend either ice punch and pursuit that's because i think um i think that pu tier has a lot of flying types or something maybe or maybe flying and ground for ice and then pursuit is just a good move to have, but here I would recommend thunder punch instead. And the reason why is because when they build the set, they don't have to worry about when they build the set, they don't have to worry about tentacruel because tentacruel is in their over or sorry, their underused tier, which is above in a place where you wouldn't typically see dusk noir. But if you're playing just a casual game against your friends, you'll probably want. An electric type move to deal with Tentacruel and and you already have um, Starmie covered with Shadow Sneak, um, but still between Ground, Electric, Ghost, and Dark, you've got the coverage you need to have a super effective attack against half over half of fully evolved Pokemon that can use Rapid Spin, and given that the Hitmon Fighting type Pokemon like Hitmonlee, Hitmonchan, and Top also can learn rapid spin. You technically don't have anything that's super effective against them, but they can't use their stab move against you. You're immune to fighting, so you also have the advantage there. So you've got a Pokemon that has a strong advantage against a lot of the Pokemon that can use rapid spin. And between those four types... You've also got a lot of coverage for whatever they switch out to when they see that you just block their rapid spin. So the idea is you set up a whole bunch of hazards with maybe a Skarmory or um, you know something with Stealth Rock, and then you've got them set up, and then you You haven't killed off enough of their Pokemon that you can really start stalling yet because they're just going to switch into their rapid spinner and spin them off. So you switch into dusk noir, you take uh, you 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 absorb the rapid spin, and then you either kill their rapid spinner, thus making your entry hazards permanent, or you deal enough damage to whatever they switch into uh, to make uh, that trade successful for you um adamant nature by the way that's the thing i didn't mention and pressure is better than frisk and i think that's uh pressure pushing down on me pushing down on you under pressure i think that's it
2: tell me uh, what about the integrity of dusk noir
1: dusk noir is a spooky fellow who likes to play tricks and doesn't have much integrity
2: He's got he's got those grips, though. I bet those grips have integrity,
1: Uh, integrity in the fact that they are strong and will and will hold whatever is in his hands, um, but not the integrity of character that comes to mind when you think of integrity,
2: like the integrity
1: of
0: Alola, is
1: what you're saying. Precisely.
0: (laughs) Uh, Dusk Norar is a combination of Dusk and Norar which is the French... Oh, okay, good. Clever. Word is French, <laughs> it's French for black. They the really hit it, the, hit it out of the park on that one. color is black. The shiny version is a blue shade instead of like a brownish slate color. That's about it. Not much going on for Dust Noir here. He's got a cool mushroom on his hat. Whatever that is, believe it's its color.
1: Oh. Because... mushroom on his head. What are you talking about? No,
2: no, he's got like, a, got like a thing on the top of his head. Oh, I, I guess I see it's, yeah.
0: it's an antenna, according to the biology. The antenna on Dust Noir's head allows it to receive transmissions from the spirit world, which it tells which tell it to bring people there. However, the anime has also shown it protecting people taken to the spirit world. The band on its body can open up similar to its mouth and it can use this ability to take spirits into its body and then carry them home as it travels to an unknown place. See, why couldn't mm. we why couldn't we ride a dusk nor in Final Fantasy 14? We got stuck with with Whisper. No one likes Whisper. What a lame ghost. What? How'd Wait, do you take what did...
2: that back? How dare you?
1: I, I I I will admit that I was completely zoned out during the Final Fantasy discussion at the top of the show, except for, you know, once I learned, okay, here's a I'll I'll think about a funny Final Fantasy thing to say at the end of when you're done talking about it. <laughs> what are, are you saying there's a Final Fantasy game where you can ride a Whismer?
2: No, there was a Yokai Watch event in Uh-oh. Final Fantasy Fourteen, the MMO. No wonder I zoned like, out let you ride a whisper have and ride yokai watch related things there's a yokai called whisper
1: yeah it's yeah like, it's he's the like ghost. your
2: pokedex basically He's, okay, now
1: I I I the listeners this is a complete rehash, but <laughs> this is brand new Gauntlet for
0: me. <laughs> it's a great thing about the show is you okay, get we're all tired. You get the beginning <laughs> at the end again, <laughs> <laughs> so you really know what's going on. If uh, that pretty much wraps it for us, a little bit of house cleaning before we say goodbye. If uh, you're a recent Patreon backer and you signed up for the free stickers and buttons, there will be a uh, Google Doc form that you can fill out with your name, your address. Some other questions, uh, like shirt size and whatnot, that doesn't mean you're getting a shirt. Some people will, some people won't. I don't have shirts for everyone, but let me tell you, if you're an extra large or if you're a small, God, I got your number. <laughs> 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 I don't have any mediums or larges, but I'm going to try to include something unique in every one of those packages that go out, and and like I said, I can't thank you guys enough for the support through Patreon. Uh, if you haven't, and you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash it's super effective. We'll get you there. We have a really, really awesome Slack community that will uh, help you trade, battle, breed teams, talk about... Look yolk- it up with those mythicals you need at 4am. Yep, if you uh, are really into writing letters to people, we're starting that soon. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Thing, Micah is at Micah the Brave on Twitter. It is. Travis that's is me. That's that, me. That's, that's it. That's you. You exist. Travis Micah is the B Squad. <laughs> Travis is at the Travis W on Twitter.
1: And then listen to my garbage new podcast where my brother and I review. Uh, movies and books and albums and games and things. It's called Arbitrary Archive.
0: Is it in iTunes yet, Travis? Yeah, they they approved it. Um, uh,
1: which you know Success. is against their interests, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, it's there.
0: <laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, if you haven't done so already, we're trying to get to 700 reviews in iTunes before the end of the year. So please head over to iTunes and uh leave us a review. I know iTunes sucks it used to be a good program (laughs) it's it's not anymore it's uh yeah but but most of our listeners are on itunes it's it's the the podcast giant in the industry and so leaving a review there helps other people find the show and and whatnot so uh you taking 10 seconds out of your day to do that well maybe like two minutes if you have to install itunes uh that really helps uh, otherwise, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. That's the best way to stay up to date with the show and what's going on. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are... Super effective. Okay, watchers. What a dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, Pokemon Podcast listeners. Do any of you play Minecraft? Did you know that you can play Pokemon on Minecraft with a mod, Pixelmon? Join the Pixelmon server that cares about bringing you the best Pokemon experience out there at play.journeygaming.com. Journey Gaming has four different Pokemon servers themed after the regions Hoenn, Sinnoh, Kanto, and Johto. Check out their website at journeygaming.com or jump right into Pixelmon Experience on their server at play.journeygaming.com I want to give a shout out to Pure underscore Riddle for this sponsorship over at journeygaming.com Thank you so much for supporting It's Super Effective.